Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Taking You to School. This is your host, Kelsey Taking, from uh, RoundBallDaily.com. That's R-O-U-N-D, BallDaily.com. And uh, Joe Perello and uh, Jeremy Kylan could not join us today, so it's just going to be me taking you through one hour on one of the greatest sports days of the year on the sporting calendar. As you look at March Madness, and we've already had some terrific games that have gone off. Ohio State just beating Iowa State in one of the best games of the tournament so far on an Aaron Kraft game winner. Uh, that was a terrific game. Maybe a controversial call, too, at the end of the game with the block charge call on Will Clyburn taking the ball to the basket. Thought it could have been called a uh, block. It was actually called a charge. And Ohio State survives in that game, the number two seed uh, surviving to move on to the Sweet 16, de- defeating 10-seeded uh, Iowa State by a final score of 78-75 to 75 on Aaron Kraft's jumper. And, such a terrific shot, such a terrific play, and a tournament filled with terrific plays so far. Of course, Florida Gulf Coast with the shocking upset. Got to be the biggest upset so far in this tournament by far, obviously, a 15-seed winning. And now we've had three 15-seeds in the past two years winning and reaching the second round. None of them have advanced to the Sweet 16. We'll see if Florida Gulf Coast can do that tonight starting at 7 o'clock. One to be taken on seventh-seeded San Diego State, which beat Oklahoma to get to the second round here in the tournament. Of course, we're calling it the third round now, which makes not much sense, but uh, that's a discussion for another day. Coming up next, we got uh, Temple in Indiana, which will be coming up at uh, on CBS at 3.06 p.m. is the official start time for that game. We've got North Carolina and Kansas, and we'll be with you until 4 p.m. here on RS Sports Radio. If you want to call in and uh, if you have a question about anything that's going on, obviously – uh, I'd love to take you through it, and obviously would love to give you give you my opinion. So uh, if you want to call in, the number is uh, 323-927-2906. That's 323-927-2906. Looking forward to this next matchup here with Indiana and Temple. Should be an outstanding game, obviously. Indiana, one of the uh, most complete teams in the country when you look at what they have. Cody Zeller, uh, Victor Oladipo, some of the players, obviously, that Indiana has probably the team right now that people would say is a favorite to win the championship, although you do have Louisville as well uh, out there been playing great basketball in that Midwest region. Uh, so Indiana, obviously, uh, probably the, either the favorite or the team that you would say uh, would be matching up with Louisville in that national championship game at this point. Obviously, Ohio State looks great out in the West bracket right now. When you look at that bracket, it's just been completely decimated right now. As you look at uh, Wichita State last night upsetting Gonzaga, in a thrilling game, obviously, coming right down to the wire with Wichita State winning that one. And uh, the shocker, shocking Gonzaga, the nine seed out there in that West region. And I think for Gonzaga, 
obviously a lot of people thought that this was the year, this was the time for them to reach that Final Four, something they've never done as a mid-major program, something that they've strived to do ever since they made that first run in 1999, uh, beating or uh, losing the UConn in the Elite Eight, uh, beating Florida and going on that huge run that they had uh, there. So that was really when they became part of the uh, national consciousness in college basketball. And now, obviously, this year was such a huge year for them uh, when you look at what they accomplished, they got to the number one ranking in the country for the first time ever, number one seed for the first time ever. I know Mark Few talked about it uh, with reference because he really felt like this team uh, that Gonzaga has this year was probably the best team that they've had. And I think if you look at some of the other Gonzaga teams, obviously there's been some pros on the team. Obviously that team with Adam Morrison back in 2006 was a terrific team, probably the team that I would say is their best team when you look at the fact that year that they just got beat by UCLA had the game. I think they were a three seed in that Sweet 16, that memorable game where Gus Johnson lost his mind when uh, J.P. Batista caught the ball at the other end of the court there. Batista threw it away after an inbounds play in that game, late in the game, and obviously had Adam Morrison crying on the court, uh, the huge uh, part where they just completely fell apart in that game. So I thought that team obviously uh, could have been the best Gonzaga team, but this team you look at what they've got, uh, you look at the fact that they have Kelly Olynyk, Elias Harris, who's a senior, uh, Kevin Tangos, who can knock down big shots. Obviously, David Stockton was a big player for them, uh, obviously uh, earning his way in the starting point guard role and doing what he did this year. I thought they had a great, great season uh, going 30-2. and two. You know, it's not easy to beat St. Mary's three times, even though a lot of people criticize their schedule, and obviously they didn't have a great schedule but when you look at the fact that they beat St. Mary's three times, they beat the teams they were supposed to beat. And I thought losing to Wichita State did not define them for their season. I thought they had such a great year beyond that. Maybe they didn't play the schedule that you know a lot of other teams played when you look at some of the teams that they defeated, losing to Illinois at home. Uh, they did beat Oklahoma State earlier in the year, beat Kansas State. I think they were something like 5-0 and against the Big 12. So you look at that uh, situation, I think you have to look at the fact that Gonzaga did play some teams and maybe early in the season, you know, not later in the season, which could have uh, hurt them in the tournament because when you go into the tournament having played 20 straight games against West Coast Conference opponents, obviously that's not going to get you ready for teams. Not that that had something uh, to do with the fact that they came out sluggish against Southern and Wichita State. These are teams that if they had beat them in the regular season, no one would have said that it was a huge win for them in the regular season. So I think, you know, people do make a little too much of it, that fact, a little too much of the fact that, yes, they did go 16-0 and in conference, but they didn't beat anybody. But I think, you know, Gonzaga doesn't have to hang their head this year for what they did. I thought they did an outstanding job. And I think the next year is going to be big because you look at Olenek is coming back. He's only a junior. Uh, you look at their uh, roster right here, and I'm pulling it up uh, right now as we speak. Not too many seniors on this team. Elias Harris was actually the only one, along with Mike Hart, who did get some play uh, last night, made a big play down the stretch for them to tip the ball out at the end against uh, Wichita State. But um, those are the only two seniors on the team when you look at Harris and Mike Hart. Everyone else is coming back. Uh, Kevin Pangos is only a sophomore. Gary Bell is only a sophomore. Uh, Stockton and Olenek are juniors. So you look at this team, they could be dangerous next year, uh, certainly when you look at the fact that uh, they have some players have some guys that can come back and have this experience now of losing to Wichita State in the second round, I think that that's going to really uh, be big for them next year because they know what it feels like now to get beat uh, as a favorite and really hurt when you talk about NCAA tournament time. And I think that pain 
will last for them next season. Uh, when you look at Wichita State, I thought it was an unbelievable effort by those guys. Some of the shots they made down the stretch were just unbelievable with some of the threes uh, that they pulled up from like 30 feet out with one of them as the shot clock was expiring. Uh, you look at the fact that Cleanthony early had a pretty big game and there, really showed that he could play inside with a guy like Ken- Kelly Olenek and uh, really showed that he has the opportunity to become one of, the, one of the stars of this tournament, especially when you look at the fact in that uh, West region, it's either going to be Wichita State, Mississippi, or LaSalle in the Elite Eight, which is really unheard of when you started. Who had those three teams at the beginning of the bracket uh, going in? Obviously, they're busting everyone's bracket right now. Uh, so you look at that. I thought it was great. Uh, you look at uh, Greg Marshall, the head coach for Wichita State. I thought it was awesome before the game when he was talking to his team in the locker room. He was saying uh, that going through the matchups of who was going to have who, who was going to take who in the game. You look, you look at uh, Tequil Cotton, who's just a uh, shooting guard. He was going to take Kevin Pangos, and uh, Greg Marshall said, that's going to be an interesting night for Pangos. He really had the confidence in Cotton that he could guard him, had the confidence in him that he could uh, – really get the job done against uh, Pangos, who's one of the better guards in the country, especially uh, clutch flies for Gonzaga. And he really did do a good job, did Cotton on him. So you look at that, and I think some of the other guys who are going to be big names in this tournament, Carl Hall, who's had a really interesting story for Wichita State, I had a heart issue. The doctors had said that he couldn't play, and he actually took two years off from basketball. He was working at a department store in his hometown, had gone back home, living with his mother, fell into depression, as uh, you can imagine, something so dear from him as basketball being taken away. Um, And now he's being able to come back and get the opportunity to play for Wichita State. He's a senior. He's 23 years old. um, And he's really just one of the inspirational stories of this tournament, being able to do what he loves, Uh, the fact that he's still playing for this Wichita State team, the fact that he's one of their best players as well when you look at the fact uh, during the course of the season, he averaged 12.5 points per game, seven rebounds, and he really had a great game against Gonzaga uh, last night. So I think Wichita State certainly a great uh, team, great story in this tournament. Um, 2006 also they made the run to the Sweet 16, but that was the last time that they were there by the Missouri Valley Conference and certainly showing that that conference has enough and has the quality and depth of teams uh, that we all thought that they maybe did, one of the better mid-major leagues in the country. So Wichita State will be moving on to the Sweet 16. They'll be joined by, uh, obviously, as I said, Ole Miss or LaSalle. Uh, that game will be coming up later tonight. I think that's a 7 o'clock uh, tip in that one, and that game is going to be really interesting as well when you look at Marshall Henderson and what he's done. He had a terrible shooting game against Wisconsin in the first round of the tournament, but was still able to come back, and uh, Ole Miss was able to get the win anyway. And He's really like a machine gun. It's machine gun Marshall, basically, uh, when you look at him, because he just puts shots up. I think he shoots about 36% from the field, but still uh, unbelievable when you look at the free reign he has. He has the neon green light, I think, as uh, Charles Barkley said, and his coach Andy Kennedy gives him that light. And I think it does help Ole Miss. I think the fact that his teammates have such confidence in him, he has such confidence in himself going down the stretching games, I think it really uh, gives them a lift and really the emotional leader for them. He does, obviously, people aren't going to like his antics, the fact that he does that stupid chicken head thing, uh, which he thinks looks like a shark for some reason. I'm not really sure why, but uh, the fact that he's doing the gator chop at the end of the SEC championship game, uh, I think that was a little ridiculous as well. Thought he was going to go off against Wisconsin and do something stupid, but it didn't happen in that game. Thankfully, he was able to restrain himself. But uh, Marshall Henderson, the big reason why Ole Miss 
uh, is in this second round, even though he didn't have a great game in that first one. And then you look at LaSalle. LaSalle has got some players, folks. You take a look at what they've been able to do for the first time, really since about Bill Raftery was there, maybe Lionel Simmons in the 80s, but Bill Raftery when he was a player uh, for uh, LaSalle. And uh, you take a look at them. I think they've had a great run here, really coming out of nowhere, out of that first four, almost reminds you a little bit of what VCU did a few years ago, of course, reaching the final four uh, out of that first four, first four to final four, which was an incredible run. And LaSalle obviously beating Boise State, then getting on a plane from Dayton, Ohio, getting on a plane from Dayton and going there to Kansas City to take on Kansas State, which was an arena completely filled. It was almost all purple in there, purple and white. And obviously some Jayhawk blue as uh, Kansas was playing as well. But uh, LaSalle, for them to be able to win in that environment was just a really impressive win. And I think you look at some of their players, obviously Ramon Galloway, who's uh, been pretty good in this tournament. You look at him, the leading scorer for LaSalle, averaging 17.5 points per game. I think he's done a great job in these two wins. Two close games. Uh, he had 19 in the Kansas State win, which is 63-61. But I think the big guy down the stretch, and I think the key for LaSalle as they move forward in this NCAA tournament is going to be their big man. And I think specifically for LaSalle, I think it's uh, going to be the fact that it's got to be uh, Jarrell Wright. I think the 6'8 guy, uh, sophomore from Philadelphia, he's got to be the guy that makes it happen. He averaged uh, 10.5 points per game this year, nearly 11 points, 7 rebounds per game this year. He was huge against Kansas State. He came up absolutely large. When you talk about Jordan Henriquez inside, he was able to guard him. Uh, he had the perfect game from the field. He was 6-for-6 six six from the field and 9-for-10 from the free throw line in that game. Almost pulled a Christian Leitner in the uh, game against Duke in 91. He scored 21 points. He had 8 rebounds. He's one of the stars, really, for LaSalle in that game. And I think the reason why they advanced past Kansas State and the reason why I think they're going to advance past Ole Miss in this game, I think they're going to beat Ole Miss. I think they've got too many weapons for Ole Miss. I think you look at LaSalle this season, they've been underrated all season long. The fact that they beat Butler at home, uh, they beat VCU in Richmond. Uh, they have some other quality wins, a, a loss to Miami in which they were respectable down there in Miami. Uh, they beat Villanova, obviously, earlier in the year. So I think LaSalle, certainly the fact that they're able to uh, maybe, maybe make Ole Miss play a little bit of the style that they don't want to play, pressure them a little bit, I know Ole Miss likes to shoot a lot. I know Marshall Henderson would be a machine gun, as he always is, in this game. But I think LaSalle can really make them uncomfortable, uh, and I think that's my pick right here. I think uh, LaSalle is going to upset Ole Miss. Not that it would really be an upset. It's a 13-12 game. But when you look at Ole Miss as well, uh, you look at some of the guys that they're going to be counting on, and you look at, uh, obviously, Marshall Henderson, uh, Holloway as well. Um, is going to be a key factor in this ball game. I think that uh, LaSalle probably has a little bit too much for them uh, when you look at the uh, guards that they have as well with Galloway and company. So I'm going to pick LaSalle in that game. Arizona on the bottom half of that bracket beating Harvard yesterday, just completely dominating Harvard in that game, and they'll move on to take on Ohio State. So it's going to be unbelievable, really, the teams that are left in that bracket, Wichita State, Ole Miss, LaSalle, Arizona, and Ohio State, one of those teams will be moving on to the Final Four. Amazing, really, when you think about it. Uh, you take a look now, Indiana and Temple in the East right now. We've got Indiana, obviously the team uh, that everyone uh, expects 
to reach the Final Four out of that bracket. But I really like the way Syracuse has been playing in that bracket, and I think if Indiana gets past Temple, it's uh, 5-4 right now in the early going here with uh, 15-29 left to play in the first half as we speak. But I think if Indiana is able to get past Temple, I think that Syracuse game could be a key point in which they might go down in that game because you look at Syracuse's length, you look at the fact that they've got guys all over the court, they're going to force Indiana to shoot jump shots, and anytime you're forcing the higher-ranked team to take three-pointers and jump shots in that position, maybe uh, forcing them to knock them down. Obviously, if they're able to knock them down, I think they've got a chance, obviously, to win the game. But if they're not able to, it gives Syracuse the advantage. And I think Syracuse has played so well early in this tournament. When you look at their win over Montana, they completely dominated in that game, absolutely destroyed Montana. It was it was almost disgusting, really, when you look at the fact it was like 83 to 29 at one point. It was completely ridiculous. But the fact that they just completely overwhelmed Montana was a bad matchup for Montana anyway. But then they really did a great job against Cal of winning an ugly game, which I think was important for them as well. Uh, they won a game in which, you know, they didn't really shoot the ball very well, took a lot of free throws, missed a lot of free throws. Cal missed a lot of free throws as well. And the Bears had a lot of chances down the stretch in which they really squandered and really had an opportunity when you look at Alan Crabb uh, in the end of that game. Uh, stepping on the out-of-bounds line in the corner, and that really was a huge possession for them. Cal threw it away another time down the stretch in that game, so that was uh, obviously big for them in losing that one. So Syracuse survived. They escaped. They got past the Bears. They're in the Sweet 16, I think, for the fourth straight year. Uh, So they will be waiting for Indiana. And they've got the tournament experience as well, which is another huge thing. This Indiana team is good, and they had some experience last year in reaching the Sweet 16 and losing to Kentucky uh, winning a close game last year in the second round over VCU, uh, which this game with Temple could very well be a close game as well. Um, so I think Indiana does not, though, have the experience when you look at going two years ago. Uh, this team was not a team that was considered a threat two seasons ago, not a team really that w- was going to do anything in the NCAA tournament. So I think this uh, Indiana team could be interesting to see. I know Syracuse has a lot of young players as well when you talk about uh, Michael Carter-Williams, you talk about James Sutherland, uh, from three-point range, it's going to be up to him if he can make some shots like he did in that Big East tournament. So I think Syracuse has a great chance to beat Indiana. I would pick it in my bracket right now, uh, but I think uh, if Indiana is able to get past Temple, I had Syracuse advancing to the Elite Eight, and I still think they will. So I think that's going to be the matchup in the East. And then you look at the bottom half of that bracket, what a game between Butler and Marquette. Just an outstanding game. You figure Butler in that type of a game usually going to be able to win because they've had so much experience in close games. And Marquette getting past, they won their first two two rounds by a combined three points. Incredibly, Marquette is still alive after all of that. Just an incredible performance. Buzz Williams coaching down the stretch, doing a great job. I know Marquette threw the ball away and really basically the exact opposite of what happened against Davidson because Davidson threw the ball away and gave Marquette a chance to get back into that game in the second round, in the first round game, I should say. Uh, so Marquette really getting a, a bounce that went their way against Davidson and then giving it right back against uh, Butler in the second round in the uh, third round, as they actually call it, in the NCAA tournament, getting so confusing now. But uh, Marquette advancing to the Sweet 16 as a three seed and uh thought that was a huge win for them. Obviously, uh, early in the season, they uh, played Butler and lost on a game-winning three-pointer from near half court from Rodney Clark, which was an incredible shot, losing by one in that game. And uh, Marquette clearly uh, 
you know, that was a toss-up game. Both teams had similar amount of talent. I thought Marquette uh, a little bit smaller than Butler, especially when you look inside at Andrew Smith, the seven-footer for the Bulldogs. Uh, Devontae Gardner really showed me something in the game. He really played extremely well. He was lumbering down the court uh, fast on his feet for a big guy. He was uh, making passes and throwing just – he looked like Magic Johnson out there for a second almost, but uh, not quite, but still – Marquette advancing to the Sweet 16, and they'll take on the winner of Illinois and Miami, and I think that's going to be a really interesting game. Uh, I think uh, Shane Larkin, obviously, for the Hurricanes, makes them go. I think any nerves that Miami possibly could have shown in the first round were completely taken away. They just absolutely dumped Trump Pacific, absolutely just destroyed them, and uh, rightfully so because they have so much more talent uh, than Pacific does. they got a great tournament coach when you look at uh, Jim Laranagi, he's done a fantastic job down there in Coral Gables, and they'll be taking on Illinois in the second-round matchup, which I think is an interesting game. I think you look at this game, I think Brandon Paul obviously is the key guy for Illinois. I think they've got some size inside to maybe match up with Miami. I know Miami's got uh, Reggie Johnson and some bulk down there, down low, but Illinois's got Griffey inside, Tyler Griffey. Uh, they, they're hardened by that Big Ten schedule, really played a rugged schedule down the stretch, they won some big games, uh, beat Minnesota in the first round of the tournament. Obviously, the win over Colorado, they kind of dominated Colorado at points in that game, really made it tough on the Buffaloes to score. So I think it could be interesting. I think this game, this game could be a really close ball game. Uh, I think at the beginning of the uh, season, you probably would have said, you know, early on in the season that Illinois would be the favorite in this game with the talent that they do have. But Miami obviously coming together the way that they have, the fact that they have such a great coach in Laranaga. So I think it's going to be a really interesting game. I think Miami probably will pull it out uh, just because of the fact that I think they do have more depth than Illinois does. But I think, you know, you reach this point in the tournament here and uh, almost in the Sweet 16, really anybody could lose to anybody. Anything could happen. Uh, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens in that bracket as you've got Indiana, you've got Temple, Syracuse, Marquette, Illinois, and Miami still remaining out of the East region. And uh, I think it should be really interesting to see what happens down the stretch. You go to the South now, and obviously top-seeded Kansas getting ready to take on North Carolina. That game will be coming up just after five, and that's going to be a really interesting game, probably the most interesting game, I think, for me uh, of this uh, second round here and of this uh, of these games today because you look at Kansas, obviously so much talent. Uh, North Carolina can probably match up with them athletically, uh, but Kansas has so many guys. When you look at Jeff Withy inside, uh, you look at obviously Ben McLemore, who's been uh, player of the year candidate uh, in the Big 12, didn't win it, actually had Marcus Smart from Oklahoma State beat him out for both player of the year and freshman of the year, obviously. But uh, I think those two guys probably the two best players in that Big 12 this season. And Kansas, they had one bad week in February, from February 2nd to the 9th lost three straight games, lost to Oklahoma State at home, lost at TCU, and lost at Oklahoma. Other than that, they've been an unbelievable 30-2 and two on the season. So other than those three games, they've been absolutely unbelievable. They did struggle in the first round against Western Kentucky, only coming up with a 64-57 to 57 win. That game was really close. Western Kentucky actually led at halftime, and Kansas had to pull away. They only went up by double digits, I think, with about two minutes left in the game. So I think Kansas obviously uh, did not play his best game 
in the uh, game against Western Kentucky. I think they're going to have to play a lot better than that to beat Carolina, although Carolina really struggled against Villanova. They got up to a 30-15 to lead. Looked like they were going to cruise into the third-round game against Kansas and uh, really just kind of struggled after that. Really were not able to make shots, really let Villanova go on too much of a run. Uh, Ryan Archie Diacono, Darren Hillard, those guys got them going a little bit, and North Carolina made a game out of it, maybe a little bit more than Villanova ended up making a game out of it. So I think uh, this is going to be an interesting game, though. You look at what North Carolina has done down the stretch of their season and the fact that they've won a lot of games, reached the championship of the ACC tournament, uh, losing to Miami. They really played well. You know, the loss to Duke earlier uh, at home obviously was a big loss. Uh, got blown out in that game. Other than that game, they really have played extremely well since really middle of February. They hadn't lost any games other than the one in the ACC championship to Miami. So I think that that could be really interesting. <laughs> Excuse me. And I think uh, that's going to be one of the games that we are going to be taking a look at here uh, later on today. Uh, we will be right back after this quick break on RF Sports Radio. <coughs> You're listening to the RF Sports Radio Network, the real fan sports network. And if you're a real fan of sports, then you're a real fan of the NFL. Join me, Scott King, Monday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, where we cover the NFL from the draft through the Super Bowl and even fantasy football. So join the conversation Monday nights at 9 p.m. on RF Sports Radio.
And welcome back here on the RS Sports Radio. This is your host, Cal State, and this is Taking You to School, the best college basketball show on the web right now. And we've got a Twitter question kicking us off here on our second segment here. And uh, that question is going to be, is Arizona the best team left in the West region? I think that's a really interesting question. I think they looked like the best team when they played Harvard. Obviously, just completely hammered Harvard in that game, but I do think Ohio State probably the most well-rounded team still left in that West region. Obviously, Arizona, the sixth seed. I think Arizona's just a little too young at this point to be considered the best team in that region. I think Aaron Kraft really showed you why at the end of that Iowa State game, but I think it's going to be a really interesting game when Arizona takes on Ohio State in that Sweet 16. I think the winner clearly has the advantage over Wichita State, Ole Miss, and LaSalle, who are the other teams remaining in that region. So I think Arizona probably the second-best team in that region. I do think the Buckeyes just a little bit better. Keep them coming on Twitter uh, with RS Sports Radio uh, questions. You can also call into the show at uh, 323-927-2906. This is your host, Kel Staten. we got about a half an hour left here. we got Temple in Indiana going on right now, and the Hoosiers leading 20-15 to 15 with about nine minutes left to go in the first half of that one. Uh, that game obviously is in the east bracket, and the winner of that one will be taking on Syracuse in the Sweet 16, also Marquette, and the winner of Illinois and Miami, the remaining games in that east bracket. We are talking a little bit about Kansas and North Carolina uh, before the break in that south region. I want to take you to the bottom of that south region where Minnesota Upset in upset UCLA, uh, twenty point win really looked dominate dominant uh, in that game dominated them uh, throughout. And uh, what happened after that game? Well, I think UCLA kind of uh, you know not really acting the way that they should as a uh, blue blood blue blood program. I think uh, the Bruins uh, firing Ben Holland, as multiple reports are saying today, uh, Holland uh, will be fired and. I think after 10 seasons, three Final Four appearances, I think that is probably one of the dumber moves that I've seen, really, uh, for UCLA to fire their coach after just 10 seasons. With what he's done for that program, the fact that he's gotten big-time recruits, uh, I really think it's a stupid move for UCLA because who are you going to get in there right now that's going to do a better job than what Ben Holland has done? Who are you going to bring in right now uh, that will get to three Final Fours in ten years. I mean, if you're anybody, you'll take that those odds, getting the three Final Fours, reaching the national championship game. I understand that the program has slid off a little bit, but that's because the kids that they had brought in had not been kids that really uh, anybody would want to have on their team. When you look at Reeves Nelson and all the nonsense that he put forth, all the stuff that he was doing, uh, really that the just era, the aura that permeated throughout. Westwood, when you look at him and you look at a guy like Josh Smith, it was just ridiculous with what happened with UCLA. Uh, Players not practicing hard, getting in trouble with the law and stuff that was going on there. I don't think that was Ben Holland's fault. I think that was just a bad batch of kids, bad recruiting class there, and I think maybe the pressure to win maybe got them a little bit, maybe take a kid who has a little more trouble and a kid who uh, obviously, uh, you know, a, a program like a Duke wouldn't be taking, a program like a North Carolina wouldn't be taking because they understand that they don't need that trouble on their roster. I think there's a lot of pressure at UCLA. They haven't won a championship since 1995. I think it's just ridiculous, though, for for them to fire a guy who's been the most successful coach, really, uh, getting rid of uh, Jim Herrick uh, in that era back in 95, 
since John Wooden was there. Because you look at, obviously, what Steve Lavin did. He was not very successful. Uh, Jim Herrick won the championship in 95, but with all the NCAA violations that took place, really not really sure if you want to uh, put him right next to John Wooden as far as the school's uh, best coaches in history. So I think UCLA, uh, I'm not really sure who they're going to go out and get. Not really sure uh, what the candidates are for them at this point, but I do not think that it was a smart move uh, for them to fire their coach, and we'll see how it works out for them. For now, Minnesota will be moving on to the Sweet 16, and uh, we'll be moving on actually to the third round, and they'll be taking on uh, Florida for the right to go to the Sweet 16, and that game will be coming up a little bit later today. And I think that that game uh, is an interesting matchup, especially when you look at Minnesota with the big guys that they have inside uh, with Trevor and Bakway. They do have some good guards in the Highlands uh, clan out there. I think uh, that could be really interesting to see if they can make Kenny Boynton work, make uh, the Florida guys work on uh, the perimeter. I think they, they're a good defensive team. Uh, came down the stretch of this season and really did not play well uh, in the end of the Big Ten schedule. They lost to Nebraska. They lost to Purdue. But somehow they came in after losing to Illinois in the conference tournament and beat UCLA by 20. So I thought that was really interesting. Really the most surprising result for me of that first round in that South region other than the Florida Gulf Coast win over Georgetown because I really thought that uh, UCLA was going to win that game. I thought Shabazz Muhammad was going to take over. And uh, I really didn't think the fact that uh, they had the injury, obviously, to Jordan Adams. I didn't think that that was going to affect them as much as it did, but it certainly affected them a lot. And I think Minnesota took advantage of that. And they'll be moving on, and we'll see what they can do against Florida uh, should be an interesting game. I think the Gators probably still have the advantage. They've got the inside ability with uh, Patrick Young down there. Uh, they've got some players who can really uh, play down there. When you look also the senior leadership with Kenny Boynton, I think he's been a great player for Florida his whole career, and I really like what he's been able to do. I think he's on a mission right now to get them back to the Final Four, get them to the Elite Eight, uh, which they were in the previous years, never got over that hump to the Final Four, and I think that's what Boynton wants to do with this team this year. I think he's on a mission to do that this year. So it'll be Minnesota and Florida in the bottom half of the bracket in the south. And the other matchup will be Florida Gulf Coast taking on San Diego State, the 15 and the 7, uh, for a right to go to the Sweet 16. And who would have ever thought Florida Gulf Coast and San Diego State for a right to go to the Sweet 16? Absolutely unbelievable. Uh, but that's March Madness for you right there. So I think... Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see in that game. It should be a terrific game. I think uh, San Diego State doesn't run away from teams anyway, so even if they were to get out to a uh, big lead, which I don't think they will against Florida Gulf Coast, uh, I think uh, the Eagles probably have the uh, firepower to hang in the game and probably stick around with them. Um, so I think Florida Gulf Coast 24-10 and 10 this season, obviously, uh, when you look at what they've done, no one expected them to beat Georgetown, and they just dominated Georgetown, particularly in that second half. They opened up a 50-33 to lead. It was amazing what happened there in Philadelphia. Sherwood Brown, 24 points, 9 rebounds. He was absolutely uh, outstanding in that game. And you saw that unbelievable dunk, which really shows you, I mean, how many times in the course of tournament history would you have a 15 seed being able to pull off that type of move from a team from Florida Gulf Coast to have that type of highlight play. Uh, that didn't happen in the past, and it's certainly happening now. As the talent gap, I think, is much. I think there's a lot better players. I think there's a lot more good players in the tournament. I think there's a lot more good players in college basketball. But I think uh, the fact that uh, 
you know, the talent gap has uh, definitely been closed a little bit. I think there's not as much talent on Georgetown as there used to be uh, in past days when you look at NBA players all over the place on that type of a team, that type of a roster. Uh, now you look at Georgetown, you're looking at Otto Porter, certainly one of the better players in the country. He's not going to be a star in the NBA. We know uh, that he's not going to be, you know, he's not an Allen Iverson, he's not a Dikembe Mutombo, he's not an uh, Alonzo Mourning, uh, those type of guys that Georgetown's had in the past, Patrick Ewing, obviously. Uh, so, you know, you look at the fact that the talent gap has uh, definitely come together a little bit more, and uh, Florida Gulf Coast ends up beating Georgetown in a game that, you know, not even a close game, actually. I mean, Florida Gulf Coast completely dominated them. I understand, you know, they went on a 21-2 to run in the second half. I understand they beat Miami early in the season, and they actually went on a similar run against Miami in that game when they knocked off the Hurricanes early in the season. But I think this team, really interesting to see what's going to happen. A 15 seed getting a chance to advance to the Sweet 16, and I think they've got a chance to pull the upset here again here in this uh, second-round game. I think the fact that, uh, you know, San Diego State doesn't really scare you that much. I know Jamal Franklin, uh, big guy, obviously, can score. Uh, You know, I think he's – probably the best player on San Diego State, probably the only guy on San Diego State that uh, really scares Florida Gulf Coast. But I don't think that uh, they have a chance uh, right now uh, to really explode and pull pull away from this game. So I think it's going to be really close. We've got another Twitter comment that has uh, come in, and uh, no way Ben Howard should have been fired from UCLA. I believe it. I agree with that. Absolutely no chance that he should have gotten fired. I think that was completely ridiculous. And uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see if the Bruins can come up with a different coach. Don't know who they have in mind. Uh, maybe they'll go after a Shaka Smart from VCU, someone like that. I'm not sure if Shaka Smart uh, would want to live there in Westwood with the expectations and the pressure. I think he's done a great job at VCU. Um, so we'll see what happens. We'll see if uh, Brad Stevens is obviously always going to be a name uh, that's going to be out there. I think he's kind of a wooden type with the way he likes to do things, the way he controls things. Maybe UCLA goes after him. Really not sure if he would leave Butler with what he's done, being able to get them into the Big East now for next year. He's basically a god there in uh, Indiana and Indianapolis because of what he's been able to do with Butler. So I think that's going to be interesting. We'll see what happens with them. So those two games uh, coming up, as you look at Minnesota and Florida and San Diego State and Florida Gulf Coast, um, a reminder, if you want to call into the show, the number is 323-927-2906. That's 323-927-2906. Right now, we've got Indiana and Temple all knotted at 22. Got to love this. It's March Madness, baby. Five minutes left here in the uh, third-round game between Indiana and Temple. The winner, obviously, advancing to the Sweet 16 for a date with Syracuse. Uh, Haven't talked much about that Midwest region in the bracket, Louisville advancing to the Sweet 16 last night with a huge win over Colorado State, just completely dominated them after the beginning part of the game really early on. It was about 15-13. I think Colorado State really looked like Colorado State was going to be able to play with them. I thought Dorian Green had done a great job early on of handling the pressure. Um, I thought that the fact that Greg Smith, obviously inside, um, coming up with uh, big plays down there. I thought uh, Colton Iverson, you know, the size that he has, but Colorado State really just didn't have enough to handle Louisville. They were running all up and down on them and uh, pressuring them all over the place. And I think Louisville clearly uh, the more talented team, and they cruised past Colorado State in advance to the Sweet 16. We've got Oregon and St. Louis. 
Uh, last night, obviously, the Ducks hammering the Billikens. Last night, Jim Cruz did a phenomenal job with the Billikens all season long, but Oregon able to move past, and I think the disrespect, I really believe this. Right now. I'm not really sure uh, if anyone else would would agree with me or not on this point. I think Dana Altman has done a terrific job out there in Oregon, but I really believe that the fact that they they are a 12 seed in this tournament is one of the major reasons why they're moving on to the Sweet 16 because you look at the chip that Oregon is playing with on its shoulder right now, unbelievable when you look at Dominic Artis. Uh, some of those guys who have stepped up to them and made threes, you haven't even heard of them all year. Uh, one guy was shooting about 30-something percent from three. He's been absolutely outstanding over the course of this tournament. He's absolutely outstanding in the Pac-12 tournament for what he was able to do. And I think that's one of the main reasons that Oregon's moved on. I think the disrespect factor, kind of the Bill Simmons, nobody believes in us factor. I think that's really been a big reason why Oregon has uh, made this run here. And I think a big reason why they completely dominated St. Louis, the pressure that they were able to put on St. Louis, the fact that St. Louis doesn't have that offensive explosiveness, that offensive firepower to keep them going. I think that was one of the main reasons why Oregon was able to advance. And I don't want to play Oregon right now. I don't think they have a shot really against Louisville because I just think it's a bad matchup. But if you had an Indiana uh, in that game because I think Louisville's style, obviously, uh, is too similar to Oregon. I think they do it better than Oregon. Both teams want to get out and run. Louisville wants to get out and run. And I think when you're a team like that and you don't have the talent uh, that Louisville does have, I think it hurts you. And I think it's it's basically you're trying to play that game, the same game that uh, Louisville's trying to play, and you just can't play it at the same level. So I think that's why the Cardinals have an advantage and probably will advance to the Elite Eight. But I think if Oregon was playing an Indiana, if they were playing a Kansas in that uh, Sweet 16, I think it would be a very tough matchup for those teams because they're playing so well right now. And Charles Barkley said it, you know, the Pac-12, not enough respect this season with what they've been able to do. Uh, Oregon clearly was not a 12 seed. I think they were a much, much higher seed. I thought they should have got maybe a 7 seed. At the worst, you could say, they should have gotten Colorado's position in that bracket uh, playing Illinois in that first-round game because uh, they obviously had a better record in conference than Colorado did, won the Pac-12 championship in the tournament, and still somehow got a 12, so he didn't make any sense at all uh, to them. So I think Oregon clearly advancing uh, because of that, clearly felt the chip on their shoulder for that, and I think that that is one of the main reasons that they are one of the final four remaining in the Midwest region. Um, other games in that Midwest region, we're looking at Michigan State, Obviously, it will be uh, Creighton and Duke. Uh, the final game going on is we've got Louisville, Oregon, and Michigan State will take on the winner of Creighton and Duke, which will be coming up at, a, I think, a little bit past nine tonight. Uh, the Creighton-Duke game should be really interesting to see because it's going to be interesting with uh, Doug McDermott, one of the best players in the country. Um, I think he's obviously a guy that can go off and, and might have an opportunity to, uh, you know, Give Duke some trouble in this game. I think Duke uh, probably has the guys to defend him. When you look at uh, inside, it's going to be tough for him to score on Mason Plumley. It's going to be tough for him to get shots off. When you take a look at some of the perimeter players, if you put a guard on him, and I think that's what uh, one of the guys said is uh, one of the main reasons and one of the main ways to beat Doug McDermott is to put a guard on him. I know he's six foot eight. Uh, but that will make it a little bit tougher for him to get around and be able to dribble on the perimeter, uh, be able to move around and uh, really work his way into the paint. I think, obviously, he can probably back down, but if you put a bigger guy on him, and I think Duke has plenty of guys when you look at even Seth Curry, uh, just 
being a quick body to make him force to, uh, make a decision quickly, and I think that could be an interesting matchup. Uh, Creighton's got a lot of guys who really look similar. They got a lot of white guys who pretty much look exactly the same. It's going to be interesting to see if they can hang with Duke. They're going to have to make some shots. They're going to have to uh, force the ball in there. Gregory Echenique is probably going to have to play the best game of his life uh, because you look at what he's been able to do. I think he's six foot eight, the Venezuelan. Uh, played on the Venezuelan national team, he's going to be at, going to really be able to, uh, going to have to be able to impose his will down low a little bit with Mason Plumlee, at least stand up to Mason Plumlee a little bit. Um, but you look at the rest of the Creighton team, I think it's it's kind of a bad match for them. Uh, not sure if they can get it done against Duke, but we'll see what happens tonight. And obviously, we saw Wichita State out of the Missouri Valley make the Sweet 16, so I think it. Uh, clearly not out of the realm of possibility in what we've seen in this tournament so far to see Duke advance. And I think overall in this tournament, we've seen some interesting upsets. We've seen some, you know, obviously you could call Florida Gulf Coast a major upset. I don't think we've seen that, you know, upset that blows the doors off you right now, that national championship contender who goes down. I think you could have thought Gonzaga maybe uh, was a national championship contender, but no one really thought that they were one of the best teams in the country in terms of a lot of people had questioned whether or not they should have been a one seed. I think a lot of people would have put them on that two line. Uh, so I don't think anyone really had Gonzaga cutting the nets down at the end of the season, at the end of this tournament. Uh, so I think it's going to be really interesting to see if a Temple right now, who's leading 26-24, first lead of the game for Temple, with 2.25 left to go in the first half of that game, I think it's going to be uh, – Really tough for Indiana down the stretch of this one. Looks like they're in a dogfight. Probably they will uh, pull out and come away with the win, but we have not seen that big-time upset. Certainly Temple over Indiana would qualify as the biggest, I think, upset of the tournament so far. Uh, So it's going to be a really great tournament, I think, for the rest of it here. Uh, You take a look at what's been going on, and I think obviously we've uh, pretty much covered all the matchups. If you have anything else to add here, Give us a call, 323-927-2906. we got about 15 minutes left in the show here. Um, and we'll just kind of be uh, taking a look here at Indiana. And I think early on in this game, looks like Khalif Wyatt has been able to uh, impose his will a little bit, maybe being able to, uh, you know, get inside and score uh, against Indiana. I think he's really the player who's going to have to come up big in the second half for Temple. He really does everything for Temple, except for drive the bus over the arena. So it's going to be interesting to see if the Owls can get some help from everyone else. I think early in this game, uh, what's going on is you'll see uh, Ryan Hollis Jefferson, I think, has done a good job against uh, Cody Zeller inside. I think the Temple's been able to uh, hold hold their own inside, and you see a shot go up if you're watching uh, right now. And uh, Temple really doing a good job on the boards inside as well. Uh, so I think it's going to be interesting to see if they can uh, compete and uh, in this second half if they have the gas to uh, compete with Indiana, if they can uh, come up and uh, maybe uh, take this one, steal this one, and which would which would be, I think, uh, the biggest upset so far in this tournament. Uh, I think uh, tonight the game with Illinois and Miami, as we've discussed, I think could be an interesting game. And when you look at the schedule, as we're going to take a look uh, quickly at the schedule uh, for the rest of the games here today, and I think that uh, this game, obviously, with Temple and Indiana, we got North Carolina, Kansas, which is the next one at 515, Minnesota and Florida at 610, Florida Gulf Coast, and San Diego State at 710. Then you got 740, 
LaSalle and Ole Miss. That one's going to be on True TV. Uh, you got Illinois and Miami at 8.40. And uh, 9.40 Eastern time, it's going to be Creighton and Duke. So that will round out the uh, rest of the games for today. Out of all those games, I think the one I'm looking forward to the most is probably LaSalle and Ole Miss because I really want to see the matchup. Marshall Henderson going up against Ramon Galloway. I think those are the two best players uh, in those games, in that game, and I think that uh, those two guys are going to be uh, the guys that their team is going to lean on to see if they can reach the Sweet 16. I'm going to take you through one key to each of the matchups that is remaining uh, here today. I think the key for Temple beating Indiana, I think it's going to be Khalif Wyatt. It's going to be how much can he do? Can he really take over and be the guy that uh, – you know, kind of like a uh, a guy in the past with Stephen Curry, kind of like a guy like that who's been able to win it by himself. I think Temple's got some players, but Wyatt averaging 20 points a game, he's going to probably have to have a big game like that, maybe a 25, 30-point scoring game for them to uh, win this game. They're up 29 to 26 right now. So I think that's the key for Temple for Indiana. It's going to be stopping him, and it's going to be, you know, getting an advantage inside. They do have that advantage with Christian Watford, uh, Cody Zeller inside. I think they've got to use it. I think uh, if they're able to do that, I think they're going to have a good chance of winning this game in the second half. They've really got to make sure that they slow the pace down a little bit. I think Temple likes to run. I think Temple probably uh, you know, wants them to, to speed it up. I think they're thrilled right now having a 29-26 lead uh, with 30 seconds to go in the first half here. I think they're absolutely thrilled about that and uh, thrilled about the pace uh, so far as well as it's, you know, you look at 29-26, that's what some games have been with like seven minutes left because you've been so low scoring here in this tournament so far. But um, I think certainly uh, that those are the two keys in that game in the East region. Taking a look at North Carolina and Kansas, I think the key for North Carolina is going to be Jeff Withy. I think it's going to be whether or not they can score inside, whether or not they can neutralize him, uh, whether or not he goes off and, and has a great game defensively, blocks a ton of shots in there. I think they've also got to look at uh, Ben McLemore. I think he's going to be a huge key for Kansas. I think if he gets off, obviously being a freshman playing in one of his uh, first NCAA tournament games, I think it's going to be huge for him. His second tournament game, obviously, in his career. First big one, really, although Western Kentucky put up such a huge fight that you might have said that that was the first big game for him. Uh, but you look at Macklemore, I think he's going to be one of the keys for Kansas. I think for Kansas also, uh, they're going to have to stop McAdoo uh, on the drive. I think uh, Macklemore's matchup with uh, McAdoo is going to be huge in this game. Minnesota and Florida, I think uh, the guards for Florida is the key to this matchup. I think Minnesota plays good enough defense. They did struggle down the stretch defensively against quick guards. But I think Kenny Boynton, that's the key guy for them. Uh, if he can make everything go, I think uh, Florida's got a good chance in this game to win this game because they do have the size inside uh, to match up with Minnesota when you talk about uh, Trevor and Bachway and company down low. Uh, I think Florida has the size inside. I think they've got the guards. I think they've got the shooting ability. I think when you look at Wilbekin is back, I think you look at uh, some of the other guys, uh, will you get as well uh, for Florida coming back. And I think they've, they're finally healthy at this point in the season, which is something that they haven't been able to say pretty much all season long since he yet went out, uh, I think it was in January, uh, mid-January. So Florida's finally back and healthy. I think that's going to be the key for them. Florida Gulf Coast and San Diego State, uh, I think the key to this matchup is going to be Jamal Franklin. I think whether or not he can get off 
for San Diego State. I think the pace also. Florida Gulf Coast wants to play at a high pace, and they've said they're just going to play their game. They're just going to do what they do. They're going to run. They're going to try to get steals. They're going to try to get deflections, get out, uh, make layups. You know, Sherwood Brown is going to be a guy who's going to try to go off a little bit in the half-court setting. They're going to try to get out and uh, score a lot of transition buckets. And I think San Diego State wants to do the exact opposite. I think they want to hold Florida Gulf Coast in, which could play in the Florida Gulf Coast favor because, you know, when you're able to slow that game down and you're able to make that game, you know, a 50-45 to 45 game instead of maybe, you know, a 60- or 70-point scoring game, you're able to really keep those teams in the game. And I think a 15 seed, if they're down only a few points at halftime, like what happened against Georgetown, you make one big run. You knew Georgetown wasn't going to blow you out unless they just played terrific defense because that's what they do. They slow the pace. They uh, have that Princeton kind of style. San Diego State is much in the same way, and they're not even as good a team as Georgetown. So it could be really interesting to see what happens in Florida Gulf Coast. do think San Diego State will pull away and win that game, but I think it's going to be interesting anyway to see what happens. Uh, LaSalle and Ole Miss, we've talked about it. Ramon Galloway, Marshall Henderson, those are the keys. I think the keys inside for LaSalle, if they can get some scoring out of Jarrell Wright, uh, the sophomore, I think it's going to be really big for them. Dr. John Giannini, uh, one of the better coaches that we're finally getting able to see here in the tournament now that he's on front, uh, front and center front stage, and uh, I think LaSalle, I think they're going to advance to the Sweet 16. Illinois and Miami, I think that is going to be a really interesting game. Brandon Paul, Tyler Griffey, I think, are the keys for the Illini. I think Griffey inside is going to have to have a huge game uh, against Miami. I think he's going to have to uh, really uh, do a great job in there neutralizing the used bigs uh, when you take a look at uh, the guys that they have. Reggie Johnson inside. I think the Canes certainly uh, have enough probably to advance in this game. And I think uh, Shane Larkin, obviously, probably the big key for Miami, probably the reason why Miami advances because he's just so good in the fact that he can knock down threes, he can make so many plays, and he doesn't play like a guy who's never been there before. And this whole team doesn't play like a team that was in the NIT last season. This team plays like a team that was expecting to be there. Uh, and they, their whole motto at Miami this season has been to make history or you'll be history. I think they're not going to be history after this game. I think they move on. They make history at Miami. First Sweet 16 appearance since 2000, and I think they pulled that off today. Creighton and Duke, I think the key for Creighton is going to be to slow down Duke. I think they've got to slow them down. I think they've got to keep uh, the pressure off themselves. I think they've got to uh, make this more of a half-court game because I think Duke is going to want to run out Duke came out against Albany and just played terrific in that first part of the game. They were pressuring everywhere, did a great job. Uh, their guards did a great job against Albany. When you take a look at Seth Curry coming right out of the gate and knocking down that big three to start things off, I think that really set the tone. And I think the first few minutes in this game for Creighton are going to be huge to see if they can come out and hang with them uh, for a little bit. I think they will. I think that will be a close game uh, for a little while. And I think Creighton will hang around with them. I think Doug McDermott. Obviously, it's such a huge key for them, but they've got other guys. They've got Ashton Gibbs, uh, who's a big player for them. Uh, you take a look at the rest of uh, their roster. Obviously, uh, Austin Chapman, uh, the point guard, and uh, Gregory Ashenique, who I think is going to be such a, a huge uh, uh, factor for them because I think he's got to be able to guard uh, Mason Plumley down low. Uh, so some great games coming up here, and I think we've gone through all the keys uh, to all of them. Temple uh, leading Indiana at halftime which uh, certainly uh, 
could be the biggest upset so far in the NCAA tournament. I think because it is uh, Indiana. I think Georgetown, Florida, Gold Coast obviously would be the game that you would say uh, another big upset. But Indiana, clearly the team that a lot of people thought were going to take home the national title. They were my pick to take home the national title. And I think if Temple knocks them off, we've finally got some real, real madness in this bracket as we will have two number one seeds having gone down uh, when you look at Gonzaga, obviously, going out last night. Uh, keys to this game so far, I think there's been a lot of keys. Uh, Khalif Wyatt, as I said, 20 points so far. Unbelievable performance from him. Somebody's got to get out of hand, maybe double him. they got to do something different in the second half because uh, Tom Crean's got to be going crazy in the locker room at halftime here. have Khalif Wyatt uh, to go off for 20 of Temple's 29 points. 20 of 29, absolutely unbelievable uh, what's happened so far. So uh, you take a look at uh, what's been happening uh, in that game, and I think uh, Indiana certainly, uh, with a chance still, only halftime, three-point game. I think Indiana comes out in the second half, and I think they uh, do a great job of uh, winning this game, and I think they will uh, come back and uh, take it, and I think uh, it's going to be Indiana and Syracuse, which will be a great matchup in the Sweet 16. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, Just me here on this day, flying solo here on Taking You to School. Hopefully next week we will be back, as I know Joe uh, Perello will probably be back next week. And uh, we'll be back with Jeremy Conlon and the whole crew next time here on Taking You to School, March Madness Edition. I'm Kel Staten from roundballdaily.com. Enjoy the rest of the madness, everybody. We'll see you next time. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.